Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the Funny Bones. With Jenny Winter. Hello, beautiful humans listening to this. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am super pumped because today I get to interview someone who I have admired from afar for a very long time. It is the one, the only, Cal Wilson. Actually, I say that there is another one, which is funny because I found this, I had a mutual friend on Facebook called Cal Wilson that I added thinking it was Cal Wilson and it turns out it wasn't. It was another Cal Wilson who's a guy who accepted my friend request. Weird. Anyway, that's a little bit of trivia. You really didn't need to know. Many of you will know Cal. She is freaking hilarious. She's a mama. She's been uh, on Australian TV and New Zealand TV for a very long time. You might have seen her on Specs and Specs, Good Newsweek, Thank God You're Here, Cusy, We Have a Problem. I mean, basically, name any awesome comedy TV show from the last decade and a half, and she's probably been on it. And she is a, just a beautiful human being to boot. So luckily for me, we were performing together on a cruise ship uh, a little while back. And so I jumped at the opportunity to, um, you know, eat my body weight in the buffet and interview Cal in the comfort of her cabin. So the sound is a little bit different, the sound quality, plus probably my excitement levels <laughs> a bit different too. Uh, but yes, please enjoy this lovely, lovely conversation with the wonderful Cal Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Beautiful cow. Um, so obviously, like I know your comedy, mm-hmm. like more than I know you as a person. Um, can you just tell me a little bit, bit about um, how once you became a mother, how that changed your life? Um, it was like being made CEO of a company I've never worked for. <laughs> That's the way I describe it because... I just, I was like, oh, why am I in charge? Like, it was such, it's such a, I mean, I've only got one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, it, it, I think it took me a year and a half to feel like I got my brain back. Like, because I'm, mm. I'm a sort of person that's always got like three lanes of traffic in my head. I don't even know if that makes it a proper road. But like, I've always got more than <laughs> one. A highway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two highway. lanes on one side and then the other one's just one way. I don't know what's going on there. That's why I don't do engineering. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, because I'm always just like always thinking at a million miles an hour, and when I had the baby, it just all went like I think because mm. I was so exhausted. And he wasn't a great sleeper, and I'm a terrible sleeper anyway. And so it just it just kind of um, it, it, yeah, it really slowed me down, and it frightened me because I was like, but my whole job is about being able to be quick. And, oh wow! And bang, 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 you know, kind of thing. And, and also the universe shrank down to just our house with a baby in it. Mm. And so it's sort of like, you know, I was doing, um, I think, Good Newsweek at the time and going, I don't know what's going on in the world. Like, th- th- sort wow. of, I really panicked about um, whether I was going to be still the same person after. And obviously you're not the same person, but, um, yeah, it just really, it really shook me up, I think, in a way that I hadn't been expecting. Yeah. 
and yeah, and like you know, I think when you're like I had him quite late. I was thirty eight when I had him. So, but that stage in your life, you're pretty good at most of the stuff that you do. And so it was that weirdness of, oh, I'm not good at this because I haven't been doing this for years. I'm starting out totally fresh, and I don't know how that works or this works or am I, yeah, just sort of like I was. I found it quite overwhelming for a start, but at the same time, it was the most magnificent thing to happen. You know, like the other thing I always say is it's the one time in your life where it's great that your partner's in love with someone else like because you're both oh, that's a beautiful way to you're put both it. in love mm. with this little baby and he's incredible and and it it's still so I was, I was simultaneously panicking about getting myself back but at the same time I was also going oh it doesn't really matter like mm. like a terrible gig is still the worst but it's 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 not my real life like you know like my real life is well, you just walked in as I was FaceTiming my son. And, mm. like, like that's, like, I just that's love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I just love him so much. And I love um, I love my work. And I, I don't want to retire. My husband said I wanted to draw it. I want to retire early. And I burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> I like, I don't want to retire. Um, <laughs> like, so I, I really do love my work. But it's given me a sense of perspective of going, the, the if I can make my son laugh, it means more to me than making Aww. an audience laugh that's not the to say I don't love your audiences but just do you know what I mean like absolutely well, I mean you've I totally know kids so well also my kids are a bloody tough crowd so if I can make oh, them laugh they? oh my gosh oh you my know God. it's for real yeah <laughs> they're not gonna fake fucking laugh no, no, they'll go you're on tv no. yeah yeah oh he's so unimpressed by all that stuff like he's just like because that's what people's parents do they go on tv or the radio of course or whatever so it's no big deal like <laughs> which is really great and I tell jokes about you know how we were in a shop together and a woman compliment meant to be and said she really enjoyed me as a comedian and then after she left he went did you know her because why else would she give you a compliment sort of thing and I went oh no she just said that she enjoys me as a comedian he goes oh but she doesn't like you as a shopper so it's just like he's always, he just takes the wind out of his sails all the time which is really lovely oh. and great because it keeps you really grounded about stuff yeah, they're not going to let you go off no. with the fairies and you no. know, be too big for your boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, can I ask, like, bef- so before you had him, like mm-hmm. when you were pregnant, were you were you worried then about how it would change your comedy? Not really. Mm. I just kind of, it, I mean, it was such an interesting experience. Like the whole, like your body's taken over by this whole other mm. body. I kept having that mental image of the um, the, the tiny man... The tiny alien inside the man's head in Men in Black, you know, where there's a, oh, there's yeah. a diplomat from another planet or something. And I felt like, oh, there's a little alien inside my head that's doing manual override on stuff. So yeah. I was kind of like, oh, must eat, must sleep. Like, just like, yeah. like your body just kind of takes over and goes, oh, no, no, you need to do this now. Yeah. Oh, you might need to vomit just now. Or like, <laughs> like, you, have, you have to have another foot long. Like, yeah, it was just kind of, it's so interesting. And also the weirdness I hadn't expected of like, um, my ass got really big and I was like he's not in my ass it's not like he's living in the caravan out the back like why <laughs> why has that got large and just you know the the sweeping things off the table with your ass because you didn't realize it went out that far <laughs> <laughs> stuff and, and just whole like new world. yeah and I had another mm. friend that was pregnant at the same time we used to text each other what we found in our bras that night like because I was just I had cleavage that I've never had before <laughs> and so I'd just take my bra off and there'd be like pine nuts or a little bit of feta or something <laughs> Just showered onto the bed. So it was. It was um, like I I enjoyed. I enjoyed the process, but it was. um, It was full on. But I really. I loved writing material about that as Mm. well. Um, And then after he was born, 
I did I did one gig that was like a breast cancer fundraiser and it was like the only time I could do a whole bunch of material about just the kind of physical yes, process right. of having had a baby and I got nipple thrush which are two words you never want to put in a oh sentence God, together. Oh my sister got that. It was awful. Oh. So I had it for six months but I persevered with breastfeeding. Oh, um, far out. And so they, we, we tried everything uh, and nothing was working so they sent me to the Royal Women's Hospital to get gentian violet which is apparently some really old remedy and, and you can only get it from the, that pharmacy now because it's I don't know it's probably some incredibly poisonous thing but no. it's like deep purple drops and so I had to put that on my nipples to kind of try and cure cure the um the thrush but it gave Digby a purple moustache <laughs> and so <laughs> Like, what are you doing to that child? I was like, why are you dressing him as a tiny man? (laughs) Everyone always wants to look at your baby, and then they look at this baby, it's got a purple ring around its mouth. (laughs) It was just, yeah, like, so things like that. So, like, I I kind of did a few gigs, I could do a couple of gigs where I could talk about that stuff, but then it was kind of, I felt like I had to get back into, oh, don't just talk about your baby kind of thing, and don't talk about the kind of real. the earthy nature of the physical process like like because like when you have a baby the first few months are just all about adhesive pads you know like so right. there's like yeah. your nipple shields and your um your sanitary pads and all that kind of like everything just seemed to have stuff that's stuck to other things like nappies <laughs> and just like I never thought of it like that that's yeah, it's very just, true it was just all about things that stick to other things yeah yeah <laughs> it's so true oh my god did you um so obviously you got a lot of inspiration out of everything yeah. that yeah. you've gone through along the way when um how old was he when you started going back to gigging i went back to work on the radio when he was eight weeks old yeah mm-hmm. and that was looking back just ridiculous like because i mm. um was doing morning radio but i'd have to get up at five to express milk and then go oh. in and uh do the radio from nine till twelve mm-hmm. and so i was on radio with dylan lewis who's so lovely and also had a small child so you know, expressing milk while the songs were playing and then turning the, the pump off. <laughs> it's not a great during sound. The talk, <laughs> during the talk break. So, like, like from that point of view, he was the perfect person to be wow. doing that with because he was such a, um, yeah, it was just he no bother to him. He totally mm. got it. Uh, we had a 19-year-old male receptionist who did not get it and would bring visitors to the station into the studio <gasps> no, while I was expressing milk no, no, no. and never seemed to remember that, please, maybe don't do that <laughs> I wonder if in like 20 or 30 years when he's got kids he'll look back at that and go oh shit yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah and it, um, mm. breast milk became the most precious thing like so uh, I was, I'm not answering your question no no uh, I'm loving it <laughs> so, so I would express milk in the studio and then um, take it home because because I went back so early it felt like one thing I could do for Digby was give him milk like, it were, yes, like my sure. guilt was such that um the one mothery thing I felt that I could do for him, which is ridiculous. I was doing lots of mothery things, yeah. but I really was quite hard on myself. So um, I would take the breast milk home and we'd put it in the fridge or whatever or the freezer. And I was driving home from work one day and Chris rang me and sounded really upset. And he goes, something terrible has happened. And I was like, oh my oh, God, no, no, no. Like, no. like pull off. And I'm like, what happened? And he goes, I'm so sorry, but I knocked a bottle of your breast milk over and it's all spilled. <laughs> And, like, we were both literally crying over spilt milk. Like, we were, like, <laughs> I was, like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But, like, he knew it had taken me, like, an hour to get that amount oh. out. But I was, like, just don't ever start a sentence with something terrible has happened. Like, because, you know, of no. course I was, like, oh, Digby's no longer oh, with yeah. us or, oh, <laughs> or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so I started, I did, uh, I started doing a few like good news weeks, I think when maybe he was about three months old, but mm-hmm. I, I, it was about, I reckon it was a few months on, but I did, I did a show at the Fringe Festival, I think when he was about nine months old or something maybe, just to, just to see if I was still funny. Like, I'm, yeah, wow. Yeah, and it was like a perfectly fine show, but nothing fantastic, but I just needed to kind of go, yeah. oh yeah, uh, it's still here, kind of. Yeah, thing. you still yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you feel like, yeah, that that guilt thing is is quite full oh, on. It's a like, yeah. yeah, and we're so. Hard. Did you feel any like criticism from other people about going back early? Um, not really. I think because my friendship circle understood. Like, it's mm. kind of like, oh, I, I knew that my contract was ending at the end of the year, and I was like, this is the last time I'm getting radio money, so I need to get as much radio money as I can to sure. um, to save and. Uh, Chris Chris worked from home, but so he was like the primary carer right from. The, oh, that's you know, great! Which was yeah. really great. Um, but I was really conscious, like when we went to the doctor for things, the doctor would ask me a question, and I'd be like, I can't answer that because yes. Chris is the one that's at home, um, and I would feel that would make me feel inadequate, which is not what the doctor was doing, but was how I was feeling. Mm. It was um, oh, that's that's my thing. The thing that we noticed was that people found it weirder that Chris was staying at home. Like, yeah, like, right. We had a, we had a sort of um, a, a couple of people that we knew that were just like, like, just couldn't get their heads around that he was at home and was happy for me to be earning wow. most of the money. Like, it was just really... Yeah. Yeah, which, which I also found surprising. And just things like, you know, um, Chris was taking him to mother's group and it was a council run mother's group and he said do you think you could change the name of it to parents group mm. um so it's more inclusive and the woman was like oh no i think that would make the mums uncomfortable oh and so no. it just stayed mum's group but with a dad in it like it was sort of wow little things like that i think I mean, you know this is 10 years ago so yeah I'm imagining probably, that yeah well they're parents rooms now yeah, and stuff yeah aren't yeah they? that but sort yeah. of thing yeah um wow yeah i don't feel i got judgment i remember talking to another friend who also went back to work quite soon after her kids were born and she found at school pickup she felt judgment from other mothers. If she was there on the rare occasions that she could pick the kids up from school, they were like, "Oh, I haven't seen you for a while." Kind yeah, of how nice you could be. Here. Yeah, yeah. That, wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of um, thing. And Chris was really amazing. So he would um, he would bring Digby into the radio station. Even though I was only there for three hours, sometimes he'd just bring him in the morning so I could have a wee cuddle. Oh, that's like so halfway nice. through the break. And yeah, it was it was um, yeah, it was such a team effort. Like I, I wouldn't have. Been, able to continue without yeah him just being solidly on my team that is so brilliant yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm so fortunate. super supportive yeah, yeah. hubby on board yeah. That's and no ego, there's no ego in him about oh she earns more money than i do or anything like that which i think is so valuable again that's yeah. amazing like that's just yeah. worth it's weight and gold isn't yeah. it yes. oh that's beautiful <laughs> i'm so that's so happy yeah. for you that's yeah oh, i awesome. feel so grateful like mm. he's so you know, and I feel very fortunate. Like I sometimes get to do gigs, like the comedy festival roadshow. Went to um, Hong Kong and Singapore last year, and so I could take the boys with me. So it was just oh, really that's lovely. So good. Rather than always going, oh, it would be really great if you were here. We did a cool thing today. It was just really lovely to have them. Oh, with me and, and share have, that, yeah, and share, share that world. And, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's awesome. Um, can I also ask? So being on TV so mm-hmm. soon after having a baby, did you feel any pressure body-wise to like? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the weirdest thing before I learnt the lesson that you never Google yourself. <laughs> So, uh, oh shit, like, do you yeah, mean like yeah. people commenting? There was a, I found a creepy page where 
two dudes were commenting on how they hoped that I kept breastfeeding <gasps> because my tits were enormous. Oh, no. And I was like, I don't Google myself anymore. Oh, that was God. That was like that mm. last time because I was just like, oh, that's fucking That's creepy. just disgusting. Yeah, like yeah. how mm. gross. Um, yeah, I was I, like breastfeeding kind of ate the weight off me. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that no one had prepared me for, like I knew my boobs would get bigger, but I didn't know they wouldn't be the same size. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I don't think mine still are, to be honest. <laughs> So I was calling one the Uber boob because it was like so, it was so much bigger. And so my memory of um, doing TV at that stage, I was hosting a show when he was five months old and me and the wardrobe woman would just stand in the dressing room and she'd just stick more and more like padding down one side. Then we'd step back and look at it in the mirror and go, do they look even now? She's like, no, I think we need another one. <laughs> like, so, oh, that's so good. So that sort of stuff was... Um, <laughs> That was yeah. That was just that that whole thing of like TV looks so finished and polished yeah. and and seamless and invisible. And then behind the things, it's just like ah, oh, like spanks and leaky and you know like yeah yeah. All that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> loads of padding in one boob and all that sort of oh stuff. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like? Have you found too like you know how like motherhood's one of those things that until you've actually done it you can't really fully get it like what it is have you found like stronger connections with other mums in your industry and stuff like that or in general i remember um we had a friend years ago i was working on a show with her and she came back to work after three weeks after her child was born and at the time we were just like no she's so organized and you know her husband was bringing the baby to the set and things and then when I had my son, I was like, oh, my God, you're fucking incredible. Like, wow, yeah. Because three weeks, like, I don't even, I don't think I've been outside the house in three weeks. Like, <laughs> I think I was still at that stage, the, the, the baby would cry, and I'd be like, oh, the cat sounds different. Like, like, <laughs> but she was sort of back in the world, just, you know, getting on with the job, because that was yeah the choice she felt that she needed to make. Yeah, and so, like, looking back, I'm just like, oh, my God, what a superwoman. That's like, amazing. Yeah. I, I actually remember being really judgy of my cousin's car because this is before I had kids and being in my cousin's car I had three tiny kids and just being like oh my god there was like biscuit <laughs> shit everywhere and just just shit yeah. everywhere like the cake it was like covered in crumbs yeah. and stuff and being like oh my god and then when I had kids I was like oh my god like totally I cannot good. believe yeah, yeah like what car isn't like come on yeah my, my thing like that was like oh you know parents that don't really take care of themselves like, like <laughs> And then I remember after Digby was born, I think he was maybe two months old, and he'd weed a little bit on my T-shirt, and my thought process was, it's just a little bit of wee, and then I went to the shops. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, totally. As if I would go anywhere covered in urine before I had a child. <laughs> oh, my God, I think I actually have a memory of being in an early gig and having pumpkins, realising as I was in the car that there was pumpkin soup on the back, like spit on the back of my shirt, and just going, whatever, and like yeah, going along and doing pumpkin. it. Like, it's on the back. Yeah. They're not going to see it. And the other thing was, you know, when you'd see people feed their kids, kids and then like the kid would drop something out of its mouth and the parent would eat the thing and be going oh my god it's disgusting but then you're like oh i made you you're still basically my body i will have that half a cracker yes like, exactly <laughs> how quickly your standards oh, just, just rock yeah it's so funny yeah. i know it's very easy isn't it to be perfect yeah. at everything when you've got no freaking yeah. clue really what's happening and then the, other, the reverse of that is i remember um our lovely friend greg who does not have children came over when digby was maybe I don't know, he was a, a toddler and Digby fed him some broccoli and Greg ate it. And I was like, you know, you just pretend to eat it, don't you? Because I don't even... I wouldn't, <laughs> like, oh, 
Oh, that's but adorable. He, like, like, let Digby put this half mumbled piece of broccoli in his mouth and ate the broccoli. And I was like, oh, he, he could have just gone, mm, 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 and that would have been. Oh, <laughs> that's a very lovely committed yeah. friend. Yeah. <laughs> just, no, I mean, I'm going there. The look of horror in his eyes was very evident, <laughs> but. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, like looking back, and like I remember, I remember my mum and dad came when Digby was two weeks old. They came over from New Zealand, and mum walked in the door, and I just burst into tears and went, "I'm so sorry. I had no idea how you felt about me." And it was such a realization of, oh, all of the things that you've ever done that pissed me off at the time because you've been too overprotective. It was just because you really fucking loved me. Like yeah. it was real. It was a real um, revelation of like, oh right, I right. Like I still yeah. don't agree with some of those things, but just because I was the most precious thing yes yeah it was like so that was the um yeah I hadn't expected that to happen it just sort of came out but I was like yeah just yeah you are the like (laughs) if we went to Hillsville Sanctuary we took mum and dad to Hillsville Sanctuary and there's a part where you can walk through like the emus and the kangaroos and this emu started walking towards us and Digby was in the pram and I had this very clear thought of if you come any closer I will fuck you up (laughs) (laughs) Like that, just that kind yeah, of primal, primal thing. Like I'm gonna snap your neck, like <laughs> like as if I would win against an emu. But just in that moment, it's like that that kind of primordial rage of like get away from him. Like, can you imagine the publicity? Oh, how <laughs> New Zealand county attacks an emu? Oh my god, yeah. what an image! <laughs> And it's something about the emu is so specifically funny yeah. about that. Yeah, it's like if you're seven foot tall, it's enormously powerful, has hugely sharp talons. Oh my god! So I was like, yeah, you're not having that child. Uh-huh. Um, do you get to see parents much? Like, do they come? Um, we or? FaceTime all the time. Awesome. But they're too uh, old to come over. They're not too old to come over, but they they travel too, too much. Or, right, yeah, sure. For mm-hmm. them, so because they're in their eighties now, so so we mm-hmm. FaceTime all the time. Um, and we go over at least once a year to Christchurch. So we have turnabout with Christmas. Great. We have Christmas Day in New Zealand and Christmas Day in Australia the next year sort of thing. So um, I see I see them as much as I can. Sometimes I get to do gigs and things over there. But FaceTime has just changed. Oh, isn't it amazing? Oh, it's oh so good. So Digby has a relationship with his New Zealand family, his cousins and everybody, because he knows them. Yeah. And he's always known them. And it's not just uh, having to get used to each other at Christmas that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. a game changer. And also, I guess, in terms of being a touring comedian, yeah, yeah. that's well, such a game changer. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. well, we were on FaceTime when he yeah, came in. Like, fantastic. Just, yeah. yeah, you can feel that daily connection yeah. Yeah, yeah. rather than it being so yeah. Yeah, separate. Um, if you don't feel like talking about this, that's absolutely fine. As your parents are ageing, like, are you feeling that pressure? Um, I am, but my brothers live very close to them. So Great, yeah. So I think if I was an, an only child, I don't know that I could... Mm. live away from them like yeah. so far away from them but my two older brothers and their wives are brilliant and that's awesome yeah it's really comforting because they quite literally live around the corner from each other so it's really oh, brilliant yeah great and and I have wonderful nieces and nephews who also look after their grandparents as well so that's oh that's so yeah, nice it's, yeah yeah, awesome. Yeah. I feel like, well, because I was raised by my grandmother, because um, oh, wow. my mother died when I was quite little. Oh, wow. And um, so we went through, yeah, as she died a few years ago, but she was 90, so she had an amazing yeah. run. But yeah, just that last few years, I did find that quite full on because you're parenting these you're tiny parenting, people, yeah. but you're also parenting your parent. Yeah. Like yeah. it's this weird kind of... Yeah, yeah, thing where it all comes full circle and, yeah. But again, it's it's that crazy thing, I think, where... Like you were saying before, once you've got kids, you just you su- you suddenly understand what it is yeah. to be a parent. And for me, at the end, like 
taking care of her. It was like, um, like it was felt like I this is my turn to give back to you a little bit. Yeah. Like of what? Yeah. yeah, it's just um yeah bloody cycle of circle yeah, of life yeah. and all that stuff. So how was that for you when you became a mum, not having your mum? Like was that did that bring up stuff? Oh, a hundred percent. I actually remember Ella being like three days old, mm-hmm. and you know how they say at three days the milk comes in yeah, yeah. the thing. Um, and the milk did come in, but I just remember sitting there with her and just absolutely bawling my eyes yeah, out yeah. and just realising it was like complete joy and happiness at having her. But it was like all of a sudden I saw it from my mum's perspective of going, oh, my God, I cannot believe how much I love this little person and going, God, my mum loved me. Like, yeah. I, I just yeah. was like, fuck, this is how much she loved yeah. me is how I feel right right now. So it was this other, like, you know, I think the thing is with with grieving as a child it's the grief just you go through so many stages of it because as you get older you're experiencing a different yeah yeah, Yeah. and it's like this landmark and this it's it's just it's a constant thing um yeah said that was just mind-blowing but so beautiful as well Mm. to go gosh she loved us yeah that much there's no doubt in that yeah but it's yeah it's incredible but it's funny too with the perspective of sometimes when my kids are like if they're being shitty or whatever and I'm like I'd give anything for my mum I would never talk to my mum like that (laughs) but you can't really throw that down it's not really fair (laughs) my mum died (laughs) is that what you want me to do what do do I have to do yeah so anyway But you've got a bloody laugh, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. There's a really beautiful <laughs> podcast called Griefcast, if I can play someone else's oh, podcast. Oh, please. It's yeah. really gorgeous. So it's an English comedian called Carrie Ad Lloyd. Mm-hmm. She lost her dad to pancreatic cancer when he when she was 15. Mm-hmm. And so she just talks to a different comedian each week about someone they've lost. Oh, wow. And it is wow. so beautiful because it's people talking about something that we don't normally talk about enough. Mm. And because it's mainly comedians that she talks to, sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's sad. Well, obviously. But, yeah, but yeah. it's just so... It's such a generous thing to do to allow people to listen to your story, and it, it just—I've got so much out of it. Just thinking, wow. you know, yes, yeah, just gorgeous. Like, have you been on it? No, no, I haven't. Yeah. Um, I haven't. <clears throat> and it's one of those weird ones where it's like, if you want to go on a podcast, someone has to die. <laughs> like, sure, there is that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> but she's she's amazing. She's a really she's so lovely to listen to. But yeah, I've just got so much out of listening to everyone's different perspectives on grief and you know, mm. people that have lost like six family members in a year or oh. someone that um that lost a child like all that that kind of yeah. stuff. so there's ones that oh and the, the one that really got me was a um a widower whose wife had died suddenly and having to tell his nine and eleven year olds oh. you know that mm. that sort of thing but it's, it's so beautiful it's really oh, gorgeous that sounds i love that stuff too because again i guess because like it, i've always been very yeah, comfortable yeah. around like if someone loses someone like it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable yeah, yeah, to go know. and be yeah, yeah in that space whereas i know a lot of people well the tragic thing is when tragedy strikes some people a lot of the time it's not just the tragedy but they lose a lot of friends yeah, because yeah. people just get too freaked out yeah. and sort of disappear so it's like a double yeah. whammy um what, what was I going to say? Oh, there's another amazing podcast called um, Terrible. Thanks for asking. Oh, yes. Have you heard it? Have yes, you listened yes, to yes, that? Yes, yes. Oh, my great. God, I yeah. love her. Yeah. But I love that too. And I think, yeah. you know, we should be able to be more real with each other yeah. and open and, yeah. Like, like I went through a, a really awful <clears throat> relationship breakup and uh, everyone around me tried to, like, cheer me up and say, oh, it's not so bad or whatever. And I had one friend that would go, this is shit. You're fucked. Like, 
And she was the only, I felt like she was the only person that saw me. Like, mm. she was the only person going, yeah, this is in a terrible position. You're awful. This is, this is an awful situation, and it's not going to get better soon. And it just felt like she stopped me from feeling like, like, people weren't deliberately gaslighting me, but that's how it felt. Of like, right. no, no, you have to see how awful the situation is and to have one person who could just sit there and go, yeah, it's, it's shit. And, and just be there with me in it was so yeah amazing. And so I feel like I've learned from that that when someone else goes through something awful, I try and just be like, it's shit. Yeah. It is yeah, shit. to be real. Yeah. Do you think that's people saying that to try and make it better, like to fix I it? Think, or what do you think yeah, it is? I think because no one wants someone <clears throat> you care about to hurt, but also you don't, it's uncomfortable seeing someone in pain. Yeah. You know, if you're not used to it or you don't, you, you're not, we present ourselves to people and so we show our best selves to people and so when you're seeing someone who's in a really raw state you don't know what to do with it necessarily like and it, you don't mm. want to say the wrong thing so it's better if you just don't say anything like that's yeah. I think but yeah so I kind of feel like if you can just stand beside someone and just acknowledge the reality of it yeah then that's really helpful well, that's it's what powerful. I found helpful I yeah, think yeah. so too yeah just excuse me one sec <clears throat> Ah, oh, something outrageous. In there. Probably all my grief. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's incredible. I think um, yeah. I think it's really powerful too if you can hold space for someone mm. and just go. You don't have to change anything. Yeah. You don't have to pretend to be okay. You can just yeah, just be. But yeah. you're not alone. Um, and also, uh, I someone said something about a really great thing about don't stop inviting us places. Like don't. Oh like, wow. We won't come because we won't be able to. But just lets us know that you still think about us like and I thought that was such a great thing to go oh yeah don't just assume oh no they're not going to want to come come to a gig or or whatever it's like but maybe they might maybe they may Mm. just want like two hours out of thinking about this yeah that's happened and even if they don't for a year it's still going yeah the door is open the door is open the door is open yeah (laughs) yeah this is kind of different but the same one of the loveliest things a friend did after Digby was born was she made us a meal and she brought it round and said I don't want the container back this is your container oh and it made such a big impression on me because it was like oh I don't have to worry about getting the dish back to Monique like it was such a great thing that to, is so cool yeah, such a great that's been my biggest thing too is like so if I make someone a meal for whatever reason just go you don't I don't want it back like I don't want the containers back that and is it's, freaking great yeah it's a little thing that you're always like oh shit now I've got to that's so lovely but now I've got to wash that and I've got to keep it and I don't know was that Susan's or was it Lucy's or totally just that added thought and then the and <laughs> I don't know I feel like growing shame the longer it yes, goes yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh man I had this, this um black and white striped bowl that had come to a barbecue at my house in Auckland so oh wow (laughs) more than 16 years ago and I never gave it back to the person and like it came to Australia with me because it's a great bowl but like I would look at that bowl every day and be like oh that's awful that's Pete's bowl like just so and then finally it broke and I was like oh there's nothing I can do because he's because he he was like a friend of a previous boyfriend it's like well I have no way never happening (laughs) that's amazing Oh my god, that is a brilliant hack, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I ask? Um, so, with when you went through your horrendous breakup mm-hmm. and things were super shit, were you doing comedy at that point? Yeah, already? yeah. Did you find that a positive force for comedy, like to um, fuel it into? Or? The thing that happened was I was on the New Zealand version of the panel, mm-hmm. and I remember 
looking down the barrel, delivering a joke, and in my head I was going, I'm a liar. Wow. I'm a liar. Because I, I appeared to be really happy and fine, but I was, yeah, going through this terrible thing. Um, but, yeah, became a bit... And there was, like, a, there was like, like a wee while where there was the material about it, but mm-hmm. not much, but... Um, yeah, it was it's that thing. I don't know whether this happens for you, but on stage, it's like you're safe for an hour. Like you. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The the outside world goes away. Even if you're talking about your life, you're still in this beautiful, um, suspended time where all that matters is we're having a great time and we're laughing in the room. Like so, yeah. it was like a real place of safety. And so, um, yeah, it was a, it w- once once I'd gone because because the, the I'm a liar, I'm a liar thing happened before I broke up with him and that was like the thing that made me go oh, I need to break up with this guy because this is terrible wow yeah um and so uh yeah to to get back on stage afterwards was great like to just be in that safe place again mm. um and then I left New Zealand came to Australia and that was also nice to sort of leave all of that behind right yeah and start, over. And start again yeah 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 oh yeah. that's awesome yeah. have you found um like yeah I do you do you sorts like process things through comedy like I think so yeah Yeah, I think um it's also taken me a long time to realize (laughs) that it sounds so stupid that I should say what I think like because I I think I spent a long time not wanting to offend anyone whereas now I'm like I just want to tell you how I feel about something and I don't ever want anyone to walk out feeling worse than they did when they walk in but I also feel like I shouldn't be silent about some stuff so you know, like when the whole Me Too thing happened, I sort of talked about that and sexual harassment and things, and um, I just felt like we we need to talk about it, like, mm. and make it funny. Like, it's always got to be funny. We've got to find a way to yeah. make it not a lecture. But I was kind of like, oh, yeah, why am I, why am I, why do I have this lovely platform where I can say what I think and I'm not saying what I think? So it felt mm. like that was that felt like quite a recent thing, even over the last sort of two or three years of going, oh no, what am I doing? I'm. I should be not trying to please everybody. I should just be talking about stuff that matters. Oh, that's so... That actually is really inspiring to me at the moment because that's where I feel like I'm at. I feel like I get away... Because I think I'm... I'm strong at selling it, whatever I'm yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. and I guess the improv thing, you know, that's yeah. what it's all about, is selling, you know, selling it and committing to it. But I feel like sometimes I'm like, what am I even talking about? Like, yeah. I can be amusing, like, and I can make people laugh, but I don't feel like I'm actually yeah. saying what I want to say. Like, yeah. So I, yeah. Feel, I feel like when I do a festival show now, I think about this, like, there's one thing I want to say, and it and it's not 60 minutes about that one thing. It's 60 minutes of stuff that is funny, and then there is one thing that will hopefully make ah. you think about it. Like... Because I feel, I feel like it's it's got to be funny and it's got to be enjoyable. But it's so I don't want it to be like funny, 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 funny. Here's an important message: funny, 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 funny. <laughs> like mm. so, um, but like yeah. So so I kind of go. This is the one important part for me, and it's always the hardest part to write. And it's always the part I'm scared of writing, and then I work out how to make it funny. And the way I've worked out how to do that is that we do trial shows. Um, before the festival and so I always used to write everything down and kind of finish finish the joke written down and then I would learn it and then I would say it mm-hmm. whereas now I go this is the idea and then I go on stage and I talk to the audience about it so I kind of like workshop it on stage with the people at the trial show to kind of ah. get an idea of like um, 
I don't know whether this happens to you, where in the, the act of asking someone a question of how to say something, you find the answer yourself. Mm. So um, in the act of me going, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say to you so that you can understand it, I figure out how I want to say it without you having to say anything. Wow. So it's a thing called the wooden monkey. I think it's, it's known as the wooden monkey. So you ask the wooden monkey a question, it doesn't answer you, but you've worked out the answer because you've had to frame it for... Wow. Okay, so when you say you're talking to the audience in those yeah. trial shows, you don't mean like a conversation. Oh, sometimes, a a conversation. sometimes it yeah, is yeah, a bit yeah. to just yeah, sort of yeah. get to the... kind of or you know, does that make sense or what do you reckon? Is it worth talking like sort of so it's more of a chat wow. and it's more it kind of evolves more um than it used to when I would try and sit down and write every word. So there are some jokes that I do which are definitely like language specific like a like there's a definite wording that has to happen for the joke to work and mm-hmm. then there are other things where I just tell the story now in a way that I would have like polished it and honed it before it ever went on stage now I go oh no I find a way how to tell you yes I'm telling you yes oh well, that's really yeah. cool um and the audience I guess they know coming into yeah, it that's what's going to happen show and they know, that's really cool because yeah, yeah. they can feel that I mean yeah, I imagine that's quite nice yeah, exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome mm. Oh, cool. Cal, thank you so freaking much for doing this. Oh, look at that. Perfect timing. I'm going to do our little rapid fire segment if you're happy to. Okay. Cal Wilson, uh, your life motto. Uh, If you can make something better for someone, why wouldn't you? Oh, love that. Um, A moment that you're not proud of. Um, Any time I have raised my voice to my child. I know it sucks and it does happen and that's the thing thing that worries me is with you know trying not to be a judgy judgy person but when someone's going off in public over their kid I'm like public's the best part like public's the best parenting you're gonna see so you're like ugh but ugh god um the best advice that you've ever received um the best advice I've ever received you might have to cut this long pause out. What is it? No, you know what? I need long pause for sound anyway. So okay. no, no pressure. No pressure. Um, best advice? I don't know. I, it's more, you know, like the, the best things that people have done for me, I reckon, are the, the things of like uh, standing with me when it's shit, like that, that kind of thing or... Um, generosity to other people yeah what is it uh chris actually my husband has given me a great piece of advice that i've been following and it's chase the no so where where, if i'm going oh i don't know whether i don't know whether they want me for this project he's like well ask them and then you get your no and then you can move on or um i love that yeah and it's confronting oh this is the other one actually now that i'm thinking about it all this is something i read which i really love choose discomfort over resentment so I am terrible at saying no to things and people go oh will you do this free gig for me uh, will you do this and I'm terrible at going oh you've asked me so I have to do it okay and then resenting the process all the way through yeah and it's really uncomfortable to say no to someone but choosing discomfort over resentment is so much better it's so much to go yeah no I'm not going to do your fundraiser I'm so sorry I've done six fundraisers I can't do your fundraiser as well or um, yeah no I don't, I don't want to do your um your horrible gig for a sandwich and a beer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Loving of you to think of me. Uh, yeah. So just saying, but yeah, mm. so choose discomfort over resentment and chase the no, the things that... Um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, chase the no. That's that's yeah. a really good one for artists, isn't it? It's to, a great mm. one for artists, yeah. Um, I was going to say, so good old Oprah uh, had something, because obviously she gets asked for freaking yeah, everything yeah. on the planet. Um, and even she said, I remember her telling a story about Stevie Wonder asked her to do some sort of appearance yeah. at something that he'd organised. And of course, she's like, oh my God, well, it's Stevie Wonder. But she realised the only reason that she'd be saying yes to that is because she doesn't want Stevie Wonder to not like her. <laughs> and when, yeah. that's actually not a good enough yeah, reason to do reason. it. And then she was like, and then she told him and he was like, cool, no worries. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, fine. yeah. I was asking all the other famous people I know as well. You just yeah. <laughs> wasn't all relying on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I always think of that, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah, what's your reason for doing it? Yeah. Like, if that's your reason, is it a good enough reason? Yeah. You know, because you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to being with your family or whatever yeah, else you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, um, sometimes you know that it's going to be a disaster. You know, like, the way you're organising this is going to be terrible and I will have a miserable time, mm. but I'm only considering it because I don't want you to be cross with me. Yeah. Like, and that similar kind of thing, and actually just going, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really great WhatsApp group uh, of three friends who, like, it's it's everywhere, it's the other three people's job to tell you to shut the fuck up and say no, kind of. Oh, like, that's like, great. So you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, uh, remind me not to do this gig ever again, and then they're like, okay, someone... I've been asked to do that gig again. Don't you do that gig again? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, kind of a cheer squad of like, no boundaries. Come on, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, you need that. Yeah, I think too. It's funny, isn't it? Like doing improv and stuff, mm. or and when you're starting out in this career and you have yeah. to say yes to so many things, yes. it's very easy to go. I don't know how to say no anymore. Like what? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. I have to say, just mm. I'm not letting you through your questions. Oh please, um, no. The whole improv rules of like say yes to everything has also been really good for me in terms of saying yes to opportunities or mm. things where I go, oh, that feels a little bit out of my comfort zone. Not shit gigs or anything, but, you know, um, things that that seem a bit nerve-wracking and going, okay, yep, I'll do that, I'll say yes to that, because then, you know, an improv, if you say yes to an idea, everything progresses, but if you say no, you shut it down. So, yes, yes. Yeah, just saying yes to stuff has really stood me in good stead as well it is very powerful it's mm. a powerful way to live life yeah yeah to be I in love the moment that. yeah mm. have you read amy poller's um yes oh god yes. i love that book so much yes, so great. love her yes she's so great. <sighs> um okay <laughs> what's the worst advice you've ever received that's oh, the worst advice i've ever received um just go up and tell them how you feel maybe <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, tell me that in yeah. terms of like a guy that I liked. Oh my oh, goodness, yeah. And had it pan out. Well, okay, so it was at an improv festival and he was from Portland or somewhere. Um, and I thought he was gorgeous, had long hair at a time when I found that attractive. Uh, and I went up to him and for some reason decided to go, I find you hideously attractive. Like, I don't know. <laughs> hideously! Why would I say hideously? That's amazing. I, yeah, I, I think I meant it in like an extreme, like extremely, but for some reason... Like, I find you alarmingly hot, or I don't, I don't know. But so I went up to him and said, I find you hideously attractive, and he went, You have good taste, and then walked away. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you dodged a bullet, yeah. really. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, hideously attractive. That's amazing. I'm just thinking about how I would feel if someone said yeah. that to me. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, someone said it to me on Twitter, 
that they found me weirdly attractive. And I was like, yeah, the weird part's not a compliment. No. Like, it's like, oh, I feel disgusted with, this, with myself, but I'm attracted to you. Like, <laughs> this is so weird yeah. because I wouldn't normally, yeah. yeah. I mean, you are objectively disgusting, but there's something, I don't know. <laughs> Subjectively yeah. into it, yeah. <laughs> um, complete this sentence. Being a mother is? Uh, uh, hundreds and thousands. Like It's like muesli. It's like so many different things it's the best and the hardest and the worst and the most fun it's perfect and finally written on your tombstone will be um written on my tombstone will be at last she stopped talking (laughs) thank you so much cal a pleasure what a pleasure Thank you so much for joining us on the Funny Mummies podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you join our group on Facebook, the Funny Mummies group. Also, we have funnymummies.com, which has upcoming gigs, shows, fun stuff. You can find me, Jenny Winter, which is W-Y-N-T-E-R. Why? Because I can. At JennyWinter.com. You can find me on Facebook at Jenny Winter Comedian, Instagram at Jen Winter. And your child could be the voice on this podcast. So if your child would like to say, with Jenny Winter, record that as a voice memo. Send it through to me. You can either send it via the Facebook group or via my website and they could be the voice on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that you find some funny in your day. It's the funny With Jenny Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.